Welcome to iHope. We're here to bring encouragement and comfort from the Bible so that you can have a more hope-filled life. We are so glad you joined us here today, and we invite you to embark on this journey of discovery of the power of God's Word and how it can shape our lives each day. So listen in and join us as we explore how the Bible can provide hope and direction in our lives. Good morning. Welcome back to our I Hope podcast. This is Brandon Osborne, one of the pastors at Open Door Baptist Church, uh, with you again. And uh, looking forward to continuing to look at some of the minor prophets. Today, specifically, we're going to look at the life of Hosea and some of his prophecies there and the idea of hope and dealing with it. The great thing is, you look at the prophets, understand judgment is passed upon the nations or specifically the nation of Israel with Hosea, um, but you often see the promise and the hope as well. And so we're going to be looking at that today. To start, um, as we look, let's look at Hosea 2.15, and I want to read this verse, give you a little bit of historical background so you can understand this verse, and then we're going to back up and look at the life of Hosea and some of the things that God used to picture about the judgment and even the hope um, for the nation of Israel. So, Hosea 2.15 says, And I will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope, and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the, as, and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And I know I took that verse out, but I wanted to talk about, because it mentions in the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And I think it's interesting, as you look at that word Achor, understanding it literally means trouble. So in the valley of trouble for a door of hope, and it says, and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth. So as we look at this and understand, so this this hope that's going to come out of a valley of trouble, what's so significant about it? Well, when the people heard Hosea with this prophecy uh, that was declared, they instantly thought of the history of the nation and understood its meaning behind it. Because if you go back in the book of Joshua, you can see this this valley and where it's first mentioned and where we get this idea of trouble. Because in Joshua 7, we had just come out of the battle of Jericho. And you remember the battle. I know it's one that's pretty significant. Most of us can recall how God used um, the people of Israel um, just by marching around the city. And with a loud cry, the walls came down and really God, um, God took the battle itself. And then they were able to go in and just... Uh, and destroy the city of Jericho. Um, but God had given them a command and not to take anything out of the city and that it was uh, that the city was God's and they weren't to plunder or to take anything out of it. So in Joshua 7, we find immediately after it, it says in verse 1, but the children of Israel committed a trespass and the accursed thing for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. So you can see someone in the camp disobeyed God's command. And it says, And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake to them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said, And let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. 
and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but a few. So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. So they said, listen, we've got this one. We don't need a lot of men to go up against Ai. So rather than labor everybody, let's just send a few thousand. And that's what happened. But you see, before the men of Ai, it said that they fled. And it says, and the men of Ai smote of them about 30 and six men, for they... Uh, chased them from before the gate and even unto Shebarim and smote them in the going down. Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us unto the hand of Amorites? To destroy us. Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turned their backs before the enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, and shall environ us around and cut off your name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and disassembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their back before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except ye destroy the accursed thing from among you. Up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow." For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. So God said, There's there's something accursed in in the camp, and so you need to step in and you need to find it. So Joshua the next morning gathered the people, narrowed down the tribes to the tribe of Judah, down to the Zarhite family, all the way down to Achan, and was able to find it. And he asked Achan, he said, "What have you done?" And Achan described how he saw all the stuff in Jericho as they were as they were destroying the city, and he took it because it, the, Achan said the words, "I coveted it." And, and so he took it and he hid it. So then we see where Joshua uh, cast judgment upon him in verse chapter 7, verse 25. It says, And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. So Hosea here references this valley, and now we that we've backed up and seen really what took place here and why is it called trouble, we can see that God shows that he can take something that troubled the nation of Israel, that brought trouble into the nation, and, and he can turn hope into it. Uh, he can take something that's tainted with the judgment and with negative memories, and he can create something new out of it. And that does that encourages us because sometimes we've had trouble in our life and 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 maybe in our history and, and different things. And, and God reminds us that he can bring hope into those things. Um, Isaiah also often he also references this idea of the place of trouble being turned around into something new. When he prophesies in Isaiah 65 and verse 10, it says, "...and Sharon shall be a fold of flocks, and the valley of Acre a place for the herds to lie down in, 
for my people that have sought me. So you see this idea of basically a place of rest where there once was trouble. So we see Hosea talks about this hope in the middle of probably some of the most trouble that he's experienced in his life. And, um, and specifically, if you know anything about Hosea and the relationships there. Um, see, l- last week we looked at Ezekiel and we saw some of... Um, the the prophecy of Ezekiel and and the judgment that was cast and how God brought hope into those dead bones. But Ezekiel even often references the idea of Israel and Judah and and their idolatry to that as adultery. Ezekiel 16 verse 32 says, but as a wife that committeth adultery, which taketh strangers instead of her husband. And that's what it's comparing Israel and Judah, too, in in a sense of that committing adultery. You can also see it in chapter 23. Ezekiel describes um, Jerusalem and Samaria as, as two sisters, in a sense, that committed adultery and really is trying to show the idolatry of the nation of Israel and of Judah. Jeremiah even references the adulterous idolatry of the nations too in Jeremiah 3 and verse 8 and says, And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. So we see this idea. So God used Hosea's life to show a picture of God's relationship with Israel, his judgment, and his restoration. So let's real quick read through some of Hosea and talk about these truths. Hosea 1 Um, It says this, The word of the Lord came unto Hosea, the son of Berai, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So those were the kings that that, uh, of Judah that Hosea prophesied during. And it says, And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom departing from the Lord. Remember, we've talked about that often the prophets just didn't deliver a message, but they also lived out a message there. So it says, so Hosea went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, call his name Jezreel for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will call Cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel, and it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow, the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And of course, there's some history there in that valley of Jezreel, and who is to name his his uh, son after? Um, and and so Jezreel was the first son, and then the second one it says, and she conceived and bare a daughter, and God sent him to call her name Lo Ruhama, for I will have. For I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. So the next child that was born, the daughter, Loruhama, which means no mercy. And so interesting name as you think of naming your child. But he does at the end, he says, But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah and will save them by the Lord their God and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horsemen, nor by horses, nor by horsemen. Now when she had weaned Loruhama, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, call his name Loami, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. Again, we see a picture that Hosea is living out in his life. It says, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. 
And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land for great shall be the day of Jezreel. And we understand that that's a future prophecy of Israel in, in the sense that one day God will gather them together and it says, you're not my people, but in that day it says, you're the sons of the living God. Now, we turn the page and go to Hosea chapter 2, and it's interesting because where we just saw him name his his daughter Lo-Ruhami and, uh, Lo-Ruhama and his son uh, Loami, he says, say ye unto your brethren, basically, Jezreel's, go, go talk to your brother, and he uses the term Ami. And if you remember, it said, lo Ami meant not my people, but Ami means my people. And to your sister Ruhama, where we saw earlier meant lo Ruhami, no mercy, we see mercy here. So the picture of Hosea's life is that he had taken these children in that he said, oh, this is not my people, I will not have mercy, but yet he showed mercy, and he he took them in. And he said, go plead with your mother, plead for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight, and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked, and set her as in the day that she was born, and make her as a wilderness, and set her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst." And I will not have mercy upon her children, for they be the children of whoredoms. For their mother hath played the harlot, she hath she that conceived them hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and water, my wool and my flax, mine, mine oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up the way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her pass. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them, and she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then it was it better with me than now. You almost get the picture of the prodigal son a little bit there. But basically, she went after these lovers who she thought were, was the ones that was providing those things. If you understand, really, any the history of Israel and the God of Baal that they worshipped was a God that uh, brought about a promise of fertility of the land. So in a sense, claiming that this worship of the idol was bringing about prosperity, and Hosea was was basically prophesying during a very um, a, a great time of Israel when Jeroboam II was in reign. And so Hosea is prophesying during this time, so things look great, but he's saying, listen, at this time, you think that these gods that you're worshiping are bringing about the this uh, the things that you need and provide provisions there, but really we understand that it was God that was actually doing the providing, God that was uh, giving the blessing at this time. But at the same end, it was also God that was going to bring about judgment. And so we see he he says go after um, go after Gomer and and return her and 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 plead with her to come back and to turn again, and and we see that God constantly. 
uh, sought after her. And that encourages in, in the sense, and this is chapter two, where we see, he says, I will give the valley of Acre for a door of hope, and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the, the, that day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Verse 16 says, And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishai, and shalt call me no more Balai. We see the change in relationship, too, that happens because he says, No longer will she call me Lord, but she will call me husband. And, and, and the recognition of really all the time what God was doing in, in uh, the life of Israel and, and recognizing that where Israel so long had ignored it, God says that that moment in the future will recognize the relationship that God had with his people and uses, uses Hosea's life and Gomer uh, to show that relationship and that recognition. So we jump into to chapter three and it says, then said the Lord unto me, go yet love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel who took other gods and loved flagons of wine. So I bought her for me to fifth for 15 pieces of silver and for an homer of barley and an half homer of barley. So he went and bought Gomer. She had given herself into slavery at this moment, and he bought her back for the price of a slave. Again, a great picture of redemption, a great picture of hope that we see. It says, And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days, Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be for thee. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without teraphim. We see that's really where Israel is today. Afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. We understand that he does give a promise that one day, Israel will worship the true God, will recognize what God has done and and bring the nation back together. And there's hope in the midst of judgment. We see there's hope in the midst of trouble. And so even looking at the relationships and and all that were were, uh, falling apart in Hosea's life, but it was all a picture of what God was going to do to bring about hope. Now, as we look at that and we see it in its context, we can recognize that, yes, we will face trouble in our life, maybe even relationship troubles, as we see Hosea and some of the relationship troubles that he had. But understand, God can take things and he can give us hope out of a valley of trouble if we trust him and really if we recognize him for what he's doing in our life. And that's really what Hosea is trying to proclaim. Hey, go plead with your mom. Tell her to recognize where the provision has come from and and what I've been doing. And if we can see that in our life and recognize who God is and what he's trying to do, it'll also help us in, in obtaining and recognizing the hope in the midst of trouble. And so I want to encourage you that with that today. Of course, Hosea is a great book. If you get a chance to read through more of it, um, as he continues on, he continues to develop this prophecy of Israel and the coming day, uh, the judgment, but then also of hope, and we can see that. And so hopefully uh, you'll get some time to study that out uh, a little bit more, but I look forward to joining again with you next week as we continue on in our study of the idea of hope and looking at the minor prophecies. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for taking time to listen. 
If you've been encouraged by I Hope, why not share it with a friend or leave us a review? Until next week, God bless.